Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Niegebauer, coming to you live to air on what was a sunny, warm day here in suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. But I'm recording at night because that's when I can finally get to it. Uh, in case you need to know, it is Thursday, August 20th, 2020. Yes, I'm still alive. I uh, had a bit of health problems, so I did want to take some time away from podcasting and straining my voice too far. I was also taking a class and other excuses I could give you. Um, it is also the Thursday after the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, if you're counting, or the Feast of St. Bernard de Clairvaux, if you wish to mark his life and witness. Uh, I am joined, as always, by the greatest droid in the galaxy, although we'll hear about some people who would beg to differ. But right now, the greatest droid in the galaxy, R2-D2. Say hello, R2. I know you missed coming on this podcast, too. Um, one thing I will say is uh, continuing time to, to reimagine what this is going to be, what my focus is. I definitely do want more guests on. But another thing I will continue to do and double down on is this niche of books and comics and other things that come out, giving my reaction. Of course, the last episode back in May um, uh, looked at that the Martez sisters arc of the Clone Wars. I do hope to dive into the Thrawn novel, Thrawn Ascendancy novel that's coming out oh, in a few weeks' time by Timothy Zahn. See what juicy nuggets we get there in terms of theme and characters and content and all that wonderful stuff. Tonight, as you can see, I am talking about uh, the Dr. Afra, an audiobook original by Sarah Kuhn, starring Emily Wuzeller as the titular, titular anti-heroine. Anti I can speak English. Emily Wuzeller as the titular anti-heroine and, of course, a full cast. This is the second of such audio plays that uh, Lucasfilm and uh, Del Rey, I believe, have been a part of. You can get on Audible. Uh, I'll go into my thoughts on this one. Uh, yeah, I could go in. I should do it, actually. Come to the end. Great episode. On, I should do an episode on Kevin Scott's uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. But for now, I mean, uh, Sarah Coon's Afro audiobook original. Uh, go into what I thought worked what I thought didn't work so well and throughout fair warning consider yourself warned spoilers will abound so because I wasn't too sure what counts as a spoiler anymore I'm very spoiler averse myself I don't even like to listen to or read or, or watch reviews non-spoiler reviews before going in so um, consider yourself warned I'm not going to worry about this di distinction too too much um, so I do hope you've taken the time to give this audio play a listen before we dive right in. And here we go, another swig of the water and uh, more or two. I know, I know, let's get on to it. All right, so um, I'll start with what I thought worked because my, my overall impression, I'll be honest, was quite mixed on this. I thought um, there were some, I do think it is worth say spending an audible credit if you have a membership um giving it a listen i was able to listen to a good chunk of it on on a plane seeing family and then you know enjoying my time here in 
the Toronto area, um, it is it is worth uh, a listen. And uh, you know, one of the things the things that strike me most about this, yeah, I'll go into that. the The performances of the supporting characters. Um, again, going to spoilers here. Nicole Lewis as Santa Staros was quite fantastic. Santa, we see going from, uh, you know, we, we see Santa and Afra and Chelly's time in university doing their doctorate. This is another part of the whole, the whole thing that worked well was the romance between the two of them that is set up in the, in the comics, especially in the Dr. Afra comic that Kieran Gillen did pick up later but we got actually go back to see this uh this romance and in nicole lewis's performance you can see the transition in santa's character from a very serious studious quiet uh you know really engaged in archaeology and then the way she encounters afra and how both uh you know the well, well, the romance itself. I'll, I'll get to this. The romance itself is really worked well, and I'm <laughs> not one to to like romance all that much. I'm, or at least to say, I'm very skeptical of the way it's often portrayed. But this was a wonderful look at two people actually seeing each other, two people who were very guarded for different reasons. We see Afra being guarded because experience of losing her mother and then you know, her father not turning out to be the kind of person she would hope would protect her and take care of her. Santa is is secretive and private because she's very committed to her her studies. I mean having a, you know finding romance during a doctorate is, is very tricky as it is <laughs> from what I can tell. Um, having a life during a doctorate, we do talk about that. And in this academic setting, um, time commitments, the investment of yourself, and yet they crash into each other. Actually, at some point, at one point, literally, Afra's climbing a mountain, she falls off and, and Santa catches, catches her, and that was great. Um, and then we see Santa later, where we have encountered her before in, in the ongoing Star Wars comic, and uh, yeah, I believe it in, I'm trying to remember where else we, we have encountered her, especially in the ongoing Star Wars comic. And I believe in, in the Afro comics um, by Karen Gillan and, and others. And she's now a lot more hardened, a lot more jaded, Cle still has a very strong head on her shoulders, still very much uh, trying to do some good by people trying to do a job it's a business she's a bounty hunter how you know also right or, or i should say that she becomes a bounty hunter very independent and we give we're given a glimpse of, of how being betrayed by afra and the rigors of academic life and just the harshness of the galaxy kind of turn her into this more self-interested character of course we know that there isn't that is all there is to Santa Staros. We know that she uh, does end up helping the rebellion. We're still not sure if she's really committed to the cause. 
is she kind of this Han Solo-ish character where does she you know, have this exterior but is actually committed on the inside? We're not so sure. And, and Nicole Lewis does bring out those layers in the more current present timeline. And it helps to hear, uh, hear that backstory. And I did think that that was actually some of the, the best parts of this this audiobook is this audio play were the things that were original uh, mo the bulk of the story is a retelling of of the Kieran Gillen comic that Afra the Kieran Gillen Darth Vader comic that Afra first appears in where we actually find her and we we we, we, we all latched on because incredibly well written character very spunky very asorbic and acerbic <laughs> You say that, um, but we go back to her backstory. We go back to, to the romance with Santa University again. Finally, someone who can cut through the fog and the the wall, or at least threatens to. And uh, it was real. That's the thing, and that's the thing about what's so hard. It seems to be so hard with Hollywood romances, or not just Hollywood romances, but in popular fiction these days is depicting real people and it was wonderful uh, you know I'd be remiss to mention you know wonderful that it was another queer romance that is is the most realistic one and that having that representation there uh, people women of color being represented too right Emily Wuzeller is 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 Asian I believe Asian American just like Afra has I mean there's no Asia in Star Wars but you know what I mean she has she there there is oh the show the skin color but also uh, everything that comes along with that in our world uh, Sarah Kuhn is, is also an Asian American writer um, Nicole Lewis black black actor uh, voice actor um, so we actually see these lives and see these characters uh, you know the thing that worked again really well similarly then was was going back what I mentioned before why Afro is so jaded and so cold is is this traumatic event of basically seeing her mother die <laughs> right seeing her mother well seeing her mother first of all uh, refuse to let Afra go off on adventures with her with her father, who she really wanted to, and then and really try and play it safe, and be very careful and going off the this planet where they thought they'd be safe, and that not being enough to save save her mother, and of course the trauma of being a little kid, being kid. You know, she's a she's a teenager at this point, being a kid and not being able to save her mother, and see, you know the. The, the sense of shame and guilt that comes, even if it isn't rationally correct, that thing that pervades the story is sense that attachments, oddly enough, attachments and emotions are weakness. And caring about people's lives, other people's lives, is a weakness for Afra. And so, of course, we see Santa directly challenging that we see later on in the beautiful 
beautiful moment on Naboo, we major spoiler here. We see Padme, um, at least the the memory of Padme, the way her uh, uh, I what it's called the, the the person who prepared her her burial, the way he kept keeps her memory alive, the influence and the legacy that she's had on people's lives. That challenges Afra's sense of. Oh, is this really a weakness? Is vulnerability really a weakness, or is it a strength? Um, now, of course, the story is unfinished. We're still learning. Uh, she, she still has finally has an ongoing series, or thankfully not finally. She had an ongoing series. She has another ongoing series. Thankfully, she survives to pass Empire Strikes Back. The story doesn't go that far. The story goes to uh, to the end of her time in the Darth Vader run and then um, you know she carries on her own story her own comic book run um, but we do see you know at the end of this again let me get more spoilers for the comic we do see you know, the, the strength of this this story is it fills in uh, you know how she goes from this very jaded cold un, well not unfeeling Deliberately refusing to choose to care. To recognizing, oh, she can't because she's a human being and she's a person. And so uh, at the end of, of her comic, how she uh, lets, uh, lets her father and uh, Magna Tolvan, her, her, her next romantic partner, and, and this other younger girl she's taken under her wing, she, she t lead, sends them off to safety. Um, we do see get that in between, and and that is a very fascinating. It's a very fascinating look at how, especially with Santa's role, but also her encounters with Padme, her encounters with Leia and the Rebellion, she's awakened to something. Yeah. And, and this last piece, I'll get one. Have a little water break. I think she's awakened to it most by her interactions with Darth Vader. <laughs> and first of all, I have to say, Mark Mark the Cannon Legend Thompson. I didn't mention him off the top because I was holding holding back. But Mark the Cannon Legend Thompson, you know, um, I forget who. Oh, blanking on who it is. I'm gonna look this up. Whoever who the uh, actually I won't, I won't bother looking it up now. But uh, in in Resistance. Who plays um, the older Wizen character in Resistance? But anyway, he, to me, and he he's he plays Vader in um, uh, the the Vader's Castle VR experience. I forget what that's called. But anyway, that guy I think should be really the, the Vader. But Mark the Cannon Legend Thompson really putting in a shift. Of course, either way, you have to do a lot of processing. You have to do a lot of work. Um, but the cadence and the tempo and the brooding and the coldness and the clarity of the, I don't care about anybody else. I'm talking about someone who's being completely closed off at this point. Mark the Cannon Legend Thompson really, I can't help but call him Mark, Mark the Cannon Legend Thompson, I'm sorry. He really brings it. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know who I want to play Vader and... <laughs> Uh, from coming on anyway um 
what, what's fascinating is we see Afra beginning to piece together who this kid who destroyed the Death Star is and how that's important to Vader because clearly there's something more than simply a professional interest, right? The way he's going about this, right? Uh, the way he he's really entrusting her more than he normally does with repeated mishaps and going on a mission and uh, the the secrecy even away from from Darth Sidious, right? That was a fascinating look into uh, definitely in, into the Vader Anakin character, but also when you come when you reflect on it, she definitely reflects on her own or, or the implications for herself. Even this Vader guy has a softness. Um, it's it, it, interesting then where she ends up is in this interesting place of compromise where it's not like she's going to fully let people in she's not going to let people take advantage of her that's for sure but she's also uh well she faces death and that's the thing with with working with Vader is you face death and of course the beginning of the book and this is where in the comic we really see this too she says, I'm dead already. This is over. <laughs> um, she faces her greatest vulnerability and is able to say, I am myself through this. I have you know, my own interests. I'm going to be my own boss, be my own hero, if you will. She goes from, at least in, in her own story, it's a very limited thing. Right, because she goes at least in her own story from deliberately being an anti-hero to being the hero of her own story. And that's limited because um, it isn't really, she isn't really committed to building anyone else up. But she isn't going to take them down either just for the sake of it anymore. She isn't going to necessarily cut people out for the sake of it anymore because she's afraid. Well, she's like we see with, with at least with Tolvan. Uh, we'll see how things go with the the comic book uh, if she's able to let her in more. At the very least, she's very very clearly her own boss, and so again, the thing that the thing that worked the most was uh, was that. Character, the insight into her character development overall. You have another swig of water here. Some R2. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. So that's, uh, that's a good segue because um, I'm talking about what didn't quite work for me. And I'll say these things didn't necessarily work for me, but maybe for other people or putting into a better perspective someone else might not be concerned that's fair I the first thing that comes to mind is I did not connect with Emily Wu Zeller's performance again uh, I'm gonna reiterate excellent with representation yes an Asian woman playing an Asian woman here uh, but Emily Wu Zeller's own performance 
if you listen to it it's it's overacted is the the problem it's like someone who is like like if you get a stage actor but like a student stage actor that sounds terrible and kind of mean but like she put it too much into every line and i do wonder if part of that was um and I'll link to the sample uh, on the I'll link to the the page on the StarWars.com website uh, that has the audio sample if you haven't listened to too much. But um, if, <laughs> spoilers, by the way, um, she put too much oomph into every line, and I do wonder if that was intentional because otherwise it would have gotten boring. Because there are a lot of lines; she does a lot of work of narrating this the story um, but when I hear when I when I read either the Darth Vader comic or her own comics I hear a different voice I hear a colder like I said more acerbic and asorbic <laughs> she has a very acerbic view of life and yeah she's doesn't take things very seriously. She doesn't take the world, the galaxy, very seriously, as her as her protective mechanism, right? And so when I what I hear when I'm reading comics is her vocal delivery is is less committed. Right? It, it's more matter of fact, get the job done, or make a a, a snide comment on the side. And this performance is just too much enthusiasm, too much uh, gooey. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, just a little too much. <laughs> and so, again, that might just be my own perception. I don't know anyone who talks like that. If I'm in a stage, if I'm watching a stage production, I'll think, okay, this person's learning. Oh, again, that sounds so mean, but this person. It, it, it is, I mean, maybe that, that is the theater genre. Some people maybe do talk like that a little bit. Uh, maybe in their Insta stories or, or who knows what. But it just didn't connect with me. The bigger concern with this audio play is um, it's a retelling of a story we've already heard. And... Uh, you know, again, the the things that were new worked really well, and the story itself by Kieran Gillen is already really great. It's one of my favorite comic book runs ever. Um, but it is an Afro story, <laughs> and this is the thing I talked about. If you go back to my Thrawn Alliances uh, review, or or my I don't know if I did a review or I just did a, a reflection on it. The reflection, of course, was on how it explores the relationship between Anakin and Vader. I've said this in this podcast before. At least for George Lucas, Anakin was the chosen one. This podcast is called For Christ's Sick Anakin, presuming there's something to Anakin being the chosen one, even if J.J. Abrams and Chris Carrier don't know what that means. Sorry. <laughs> Anakin Vader is the center of this galaxy. In any story where they have a fairly prominent role, where he has a fairly prominent role, all the gravity of storytelling 
just sucked into sucked towards him and he becomes the most interesting character again probably Emily Ruzeller's performance didn't help that opposite Mark Thompson's perfect performance the fact that this was already a story exploring, looking at Vader searching for this kid who blew up the Death Star. And of course, that wonderful, amazing moment that we do get to hear Aphra's side on it, Aphra's take on which was interesting. Amazing moment where Boba Fett comes and, and says, I have a name, Skywalker, uh, ongoing number six and uh, Vader number six, give it a read. But I wanted to hear Aphra's story. And that's the thing is I'm just as an introduction to Star Wars, as an introduction to the Aphra character in a different genre, in a different medium rather, I'm not sure this was the right story to tell. I I, I could be wrong. I would have liked to he see here a new, more original story. Um, because the gravity in the center of the story seems to be who is this Luke kid to Darth Vader and why does Darth Vader care so much which is a wonderful story it's an amazing thing and the thing I one of the things I care the most about right is especially the relationship between Vader and Anakin but again uh, this is a Dr. Aphra audiobook original so I was a little disappointed by that um Thing I'll, I'll, the last thing I'll I'll talk about is uh, the fact that it's another audiobook original that is uh, what is it, it? It's kind of a a sidekick apprentice to a Sith Lord recording a diary. Um, that sounds kind of derivative, right? The uh, the Dooku Jedi lost. Here's the thing, the great difference, Dooku Jedi lost. You have Ventress recording a little bit of her own thing. She's recording this and exploring this, but it's consciously Dooku's story being told. And so repeating that medium, that framing device was a little awkward, or not was a little awkward, but was a little derivative. And, and it, it would have been good to push the author into into more more adventurous territory both in terms of telling a more original story and using a more original framing device um, and lastly part of that it, I, I said the romance itself between Santa and, and Charlie is is wonderful and really well done except again for well even that that's the only time that the the gooey squishy performance actually made some sense right in the recording, in, in the, the narrating parts where she's recording. So here's another spoiler. It, it turns out she's sending a message to Santa. And for most of it, she's she's all uh, Santa's third person. Uh, well, Santa did this, Santa did that. And then finally, we were, and somewhere partway through, we realized, oh, she's actually recording to Santa. So saying, oh, but it's you and so you did this and you opened me up and and again it was interesting to hear that character development but the this trend switching from 
Sana to you. The gooey gushy is a little. The gooey gushy part was a little much, but the switching from, sorry, from Sana to you, that seems a bit awkward and off-putting, um, and almost confusing as to what the author was trying to, what Sarah Kuhn was trying to do with it as a framing device. It kind of made it less stable, if you will. So, um, yeah, the overall the experience of uh, of listening to reading it it was fun it was enjoyable um, both original stories are good stories and uh, you know the character development uh, we see with Afra the performances especially by by Nicole Lewis I, sh I should mention Sean Kennan as triple zero here's another interesting thing uh, that did open my eyes open my ears rather I always, I mean, so Triple Zero and, and uh, BT, sorry, I forgot his name. Triple Zero and BT, they are uh, R2-3P or doppelgangers, right? That, that's that's obvious. So whenever I hear Trip, read Trip, I hear Anthony Daniels in my head, just an evil Anthony Daniels. And it was kind of, it was interesting hearing a very, and Sean Kennan didn't try and sound like Anthony Daniels. They could have just gotten Anthony Daniels to do this. Uh, it was interesting to hear a different voice. And then they even played with that connection, right? How they have Triple Zero um, impersonating 3PO, 3PO. And, and so they actually play with that connection. And I'm pretty sure they did get Anthony Daniels to play that little bit. That was a fun moment. Um, uh, another small gripe. This is my kind of my prequel script. I have to mention this. Jonathan Davis is Boba Fett sounds nothing like Tamura Morrison. They, that's the second time they've done this in an audiobook. Uh, I think when they got uh, John Hamm was yeah it was John Hamm to do the from a certain point of view Boba Fett chapter. Gotta sound like a clone man. Anyway, that's a that's a minor <laughs> me being a prequel gripe here. Um, overall, again, an enjoyable experience, a fun experience. Some things were a little grating. When I look back, I'm going to say I'm glad I, I spent the audible credit. Glad I took the time to listen to it. And I do recommend you do that too. And hey, I hope the things that I didn't quite like, you enjoy anyway. <laughs> because positivity really is the name of the game. Honesty, being a fan, and to care about these things, you know, of course, I don't need to go into that. But... I'd much enjoy, I, I much prefer people enjoy everything. So those are my thoughts on uh, the Dr. Afra, an audiobook original by Sarah Kuhn. Uh, you can uh, respond if you think I'm completely off the wall. If you think you agree with some points or not, let me know on Twitter at NEUG485. Or give me a follow on Instagram at MNEUG1138. You'll see both those. You'll see photos and takes on Star Wars, but also on soccer and church things. <laughs> uh, yeah, either way, let me know. And above all, thanks for listening, for taking the time. This has been episode 58 of For Christ's Sake Anakin. May the Force be with you always. <laughs>